Welcome to The Crankcase, the automotive show where I present my pointed opinion and invite you, the listener, to change my mind and engage me online on our Instagram, at The Crankcase. I'm Carrillo, an opinionated gearhead. I've got things to say. Today we're talking about Global Engine Best of the Best. It's a continuation of the previous two episodes that we've dropped. It's essentially a world's best engine contest. What country creates the best engines? Stay tuned, folks. Join us after the break. We're going to break this down. Today, we're talking about Japan. Subscribe, like, love, and follow us at Zwerk Media, at Z-W-E-R-C Media. Did you get it? Good. So we're talking about the best engines made in the whole wide world. In the first episode, Z Germans brought some serious heat, offering masterpieces from Porsche and BMW, and the Italians offered a beautiful twin-turbo V8 from Ferrari. America brought us awesome grunt and practicality with offerings from not only Jeep, but also Ford and GM. Today, like I had said, we're discussing Japan. After this episode, we're going to be teeing up who the winner is of each individual country, because so far I haven't actually pointed out who I think is the actual winner from each country. The episode after that, we will go ahead and then pit all winners against each other in a global best of the best to decide what country truly does create the best internal combustion engine. Car people all over the world have their two cents on what the best engines are in the world. I'm bringing you mine. So Japan. Japan's rise to automotive relevancy really didn't take hold until after World War II, I'd say. After being an enemy of the United States, post-war agreements immediately gave Japan access to trade markets that ironically, it was fighting to gain access and control of in the first place before and during the war. Toyota would be the first Japanese car manufacturer to enter the United States in 1957, importing their crown sedan. It was Toyota's first full-scale passenger vehicle. Before all of that, in 54, Subaru produced its first car, the P1, in Japan. In 1963, Honda produced its first production vehicle called the S500. In 66, Toyota introduced the Corolla. Ever since the 1950s, Japan has been making its mark on the world and hasn't showed any signs of slowing down. From tiny K cars, sports cars, F1 technology, you name it, Japan has been a major contributor to the automotive world since it began exporting cars globally post-World War II. Japanese cars have been a global tuner phenomenon that continues its popularity from its roots in Japan in the 1970s to today, inspiring automotive manufacturers and everyday racers alike to build amazing cars. Japan's approach to car building in many ways is very Japanese. That is to say, many of their exported cars have been variants of vehicles designed for their native market in Japan and then exported for sale abroad in the world. While many Japanese cars have a reputation for being tiny and not so fast, Other Japanese cars are known for breaking that mold, bringing a Japanese flavor to speed, handling, and automotive excitement overall. Today, I'm going to be talking about three Japanese engines powering Japanese cars that I think are the best produced from that country. Given that it's such a field where opinions are as varied as the cars offered, I'm thinking my two cents on the best engines are likely going to garner some nods of approval and a lot of eye rolls of disappointment. I have no problem with the disagreement. In fact, I think the disagreement can generate some really good discourse between you and I. At the crankcase, of course. Allow me to reiterate the reasons why I've picked these engines, in case you're wondering again. Number one, ubiquity, in some capacity. Some engines I mentioned may be common, but may have an ultra-high performance derivative of that engine, proving versatility as well. So that's cool. Number two, power and torque. You know, 
some would say, well, that's a given. That should be a given, you know, it's horsepower and torque. Look, horsepower and torque can be made easily, okay? That's why it's not number one on my list. However, it does mean something, okay? Number three, enthusiast following. How do people build this engine? How do people make it better? That's a big one to me. All right, so which manufacturers are going to be represented? We're going to be talking about Toyota. We're going to be talking about Nissan. We're going to be talking about Honda. No, not Mazda. No, not Mitsubishi. No, not Daihatsu or even Suzuki. Okay, Toyota, Nissan, and Honda. So let's get right into this. Number one is the Nissan RB26 DETT. The Japanese love making alphanumeric engine codes. I mean, the Germans do too, but I find that the Japanese alphanumeric engine codes are a lot easier to translate. Um, in the end, basically, you'll have one. One is the series of engine. The next sequence is going to be the displacement, hence the 26. The DE, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, has something to do with the cylinder head and the type of fuel injection. And then the next thing is the fact that it's a twin turbo configuration. So it's a 2.6 liter dual overhead cam straight six with a 24 valve per cylinder configuration. Did I mention that it has twin turbos? It's pretty badass. In the end, it produces 276 horsepower and 289 pound-feet of torque at 4,400 RPM on paper. So the reason why I said on paper is because Japan from 1989 through about the early 2000s, say 2003, 4, 5, right around there, um, the Japanese manufacturers had what was essentially a gentleman's agreement. Basically, Japan had a manufacturer's agreement where they wouldn't manufacture engines whose power exceeded 276 brake horsepower. It was an endorsement, at least on paper, that the primary goal was to avoid a horsepower war in a country where the maximum speed is 62 miles per hour. So you can kind of get an idea as to why they wanted to do that. I, look, I don't think it was smart in any way. People are going to speed. They're going to speed. I don't condone unsafe driving. But the fact is, is that if people want something that's beyond 276 brake horsepower and you have the capacity to build it, build it. If there's a demand supply the damn thing. So why is this engine so special? The RB26 DETT engine long block is made of cast iron, while the cylinder head is made from aluminum alloy. Like I had said before, it contains a dual overhead cam 4 valve per cylinder configuration, 24 in total. What's really sweet is that the intake of the RB26 DETT varies from other RB8 series motors because it actually has six individual throttle bodies, essentially three pairs of two like dual throttle assemblies that are Siamese together. It's awesome. The engine also uses that twin turbo parallel system that's a, basically a pair of T25 ceramic turbos. It has a wastegate that limits the pressure to 10 PSI. Uh, you know, what's really cool is that uh, Skyline GTRs also have a built-in boost restrictor to keep the boost under 14 PSI, you know, for the sake of keeping things somewhat reliable. That's a 0.97 bar for those of you not living in the United States. The engine really gets its shine from the uh, Nissan Skylines from chassis R32 through R34. What kind of adds to the ubiquity of it is that the RB engine derivatives can actually be found in various Nissan vehicles across the board from that era. So does it meet all three tick marks? Yeah, number one, it has horsepower capability uh, once oiling issues have been taken care of on it. What's really cool is the RB26 and the RB25s are used in a great many vehicles. Um, that doesn't count the RB30. Also doesn't count um, RB20, older variants. And then something that's really near and dear to me is uh, pedigree. It has Japanese racing pedigree. Uh, the Nissan GTR and its RB26 engine have racing chops. 
It was designed to dominate Group A racing from its time. The tuner market loves these engines. You can see them swapped into a myriad of vehicles for loads more power. Their sound profile is pretty amazing too. Although a bit cliche, it's likely my favorite Nissan engine, and if I'm honest, I don't have many, so let's take that for the win it is, you know? So I've never owned one of these personally. However, I had worked for years in the Japanese tuner industry and got to see many of these firsthand. I got to see the kind of power that they would put down on Mustang all-wheel drive dynos, and they're not notorious for being friendly uh, for horsepower numbers. There's a reason why they call the Nissan Skyline Godzilla. In the end, the RB26 DETT was used in five total vehicles, uh, that particular engine, I mean, one of which is the Nissan Stagia 260RS, a wagon. It's amazing. In the end, it's a badass twin-turbo six-cylinder engine with individual throttle bodies. It's capable of huge amounts of horsepower, has world-class racing pedigree, and an intoxifying exhaust note. Those are pretty tough credentials to beat, I'd say. The next engine I'm talking about is going to be from Honda. It's going to be the Honda K-Series specifically. The Honda K-Series is offered in engines whose size ranges from 2 liter to 2.4 liters of displacement. For the better half of 16 or so years, the Honda K-Series has, to me, proven itself to be one of the most powerful, reliable, and ubiquitous four-cylinders ever produced. What was first met with resentment from Honda fans all too complacent with B18Cs and LSVTech builds has developed into it becoming the engine of choice, be it for naturally aspirated builds or turbo builds or supercharger builds, it doesn't matter. There's a whole lot of K-Series engines to sort through, which can make choosing the right one to build downright baffling. It's a testament to its ubiquity. We Americans were first introduced to the K-Series with the help of the 2002 RSX, the Civic Si, and the Honda CRV. Following a 12-year reign, the Honda B-Series was finally nixed and in late 2001, replaced with the then-unfamiliar K20A2, K20A3, and K24A1 engines, respectively. The new platform's most notable differences when compared to previous four-cylinder Honda mills is its direct fire ignition system, its reverse layout, and clockwise rotation. To improve catalytic converter light-off by positioning the engine's exhaust side toward the rear of the vehicle, Honda developed the clockwise rotating architecture, which is a whole lot different than the decades plus worth of counterclockwise rotating engines the company had become famous for. So why is this engine so special? Number one, huge power capability in a small package. It's amazing, really. I mean, the engine is extremely stout, crazy reliable, and can just pack on the horsepower. It loves boost. Number two is mass ubiquity. Honda uses some variation of the K-Series in a huge number of vehicles. Yes, that includes today as well. Number three is massive tuner appeal. It's the go-to swap engine next to Chevy's LS and a certain engine from Toyota that I might be mentioning on this list too. Who knows? The Honda K-Series is just a fantastic engine. I don't care if you're the type of guy who wants NA power. If you want to build that thing from the ground up, 2.4 liters of displacement, 300 plus NA horsepower, you can do it and you can do it fairly reliably as well. If you want to boost that engine to 600 plus, the K-Series is there as well. Stock internals can take well north of 400 horsepower. So that really goes to show you what that thing is capable of doing. It's kind of like a bunch of tuners had gotten together at Honda and decided, hey, let's build the most kick-ass four-cylinder we could. It's just a good freaking engine. Time for number three. First, I want to go straight into why I think this engine is so special. Number one, this engine has massive power capability. 
This engine has been in the 1000 horsepower club for nearly 20 years, if not more than 20 years now. When built, of course. Number two, a reputation for ultra-high reliability. Number three, a fanatic fan base almost as loyal as the Chevy LS's. To me, this engine is going to be around for a long time. So what is it? It's the Toyota 2JZ GTE, a 3-liter twin-turbo straight-six monster. This engine arrived just after Nissan decided to install the monster twin-turbo RB26 DETT into its Nissan GTR. You know, but unlike Nissan, Toyota didn't debut this engine in a sports coupe. Instead, the first 2JZ GTE actually showed up in the Toyota Aristo 3.0V. Um, that car we know as the original Lexus GS300, even though we didn't get the twin-turbo variant in the United States. It was used to homologate the sedan for the Japanese Grand Touring Car Championship. Still, the 2JZ GTE really gained its fame in Toyota's halo car, the Supra. From the factory, the 2JZ GTE is a pretty special engine. It's got dual overhead camshafts, four valves per cylinder, a distributorless ignition system for back then, you know, 1992-1993 era, liquid-cooled sequential turbos keeping the power band nice and broad, and a square 1-to-1 border-stroke ratio that provided a great compromise between low-end grunt and high-end power. Start tuning it, though, and the engine goes from special to downright supernatural. The reason why the 2JZ GTE is so prolific in the tuning scene is because of its strength. Its iron block is tough as nails, its seven main bearings, despite only being held by two bolts each, are absolutely gargantuan and hold the crankshaft firmly. Its forged 12 counterweight steel crankshaft can handle huge power and high engine speeds. The oil pump and water pump can take the heavy mods without failure. It's amazing. The fully closed deck means that the engine can withstand enormous cylinder pressures. Forged connecting rods are stout and the oil-cooled cast aluminum pistons can handle a beating as well. It was an advanced engine in its day, and in 1998 became even more so when the Japanese version got variable valve timing. Sadly, the US market got nothing in revol in regards to variable valve timing with twin turbo, and 1998 was the model year of the Supra with the 2JZ GTE in the United States. Sucks. But despite its short run here in the US, the 2JZ GTE remains a crown jewel in the tuner community. With Supras and 2JZ swapped anything else, continually winning drag races and whatever else they're called to do. It's getting to break time, folks. Let's go ahead and stay tuned. We're going to be diving into my final thoughts on all these three engines, uh, plans for the next episode, and how the world's best content will eventually round out. Subscribe, like, love, and follow us at Zwerk Media, at Z-W-E-R-C Media. Did you get it? Good. Thanks for listening, folks. So we've been talking about the best engines, to me, coming out of Japan. Each one of these engines brings something unique and something special. Two are six cylinders, one is a four cylinder that's been sold in both naturally aspirated and turbo variants just like the RBN 2JZ engines. That's one of the reasons why I thought all of these stacked well against one another. Before we go though, let's talk about a few honorable mentions because look guys, I get it. There's going to be some crazy, crazy fanatical responses to this. I want to make sure people understand kind of where my head is with some of the uh, other legendary engines that I didn't mention at all. Number one, the Mitsubishi 4G63. This was a tough engine not to have in the top three. 
To say this engine had staying power is an understatement. I mean, de debuting in the Galant VR4 in the late 80s and powering every single Lancer Evolution is truly a special power plant with racing pedigree. Seriously. It was really, really hard for me not to have this engine in the list. Number two, the Honda B series. This engine kind of started it all. I get it. That's strongly debatable, but here are the facts. Its dual overhead cam VTEC power plant practically launched the tuner scene in North America, if not the world. Final, the Mazda 13B rotary. This engine is so special, I'll have to eventually give it its own episode seriously. From its infamous ability to make power from such a tiny package, 1.3 liters, to its infamous ability to blow up. It's a combo of cool and quirk that makes the Mazda 13B so damn special. In the next episode, we'll be going over the winner of each country. As I've only laid out my top choices, it's really time to pick out those real winners. So what do you think? Are my picks trash? Is there anything that you would have wanted out of this episode? Maybe I left out an important engine to you. Head on over to the Instagram and give me your two cents, at the crankcase. That's my Instagram page. Head on over there, smash that follow button. While you're on Instagram, head on over to Abswork Media. Smash the follow button again because I said so. This is my podcast. I'm going to command you to do that. I'm Carrillo. This is The Crankcase. I'm signing out until the next episode. Thank you.